Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to Danny and Alex on Cigar City Radio. And I'm Danny. From Danny and Alex. <laughs> From Danny and Alex. On Cigar City Radio. Cigar City Radio. Cigar City Radio is sponsored by No Clubs and StateMedia.com. Find out about upcoming concerts in Tampa Bay by visiting StateMedia.com and tagging No Clubs on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Use the hashtag WeAreConcerts. No Clubs has some great March shows coming up. On Saturday, March 9th, we have the almost sold out show with the Interrupters, Masked Intruder, and Rat Boy at the Orpheum. Sunday, March 17th, we have The Noise Presents Nothing More, The Truth Tour with Of Mice and Men, Bad Flowers, and Palisades at the Ritz. Thursday, March 21st, we have the Marcus King Band in the North Mississippi All-Stars, the Carolina Confessions Tour featuring Bobby Lee Rogers. That's going to also be at Janice Live. On Friday, March 22nd, we have Switchfoot with their Native Tongue Tour featuring Tyson Matzenbacher and Colony House, who were previous guests on the Cigar City Radio Show, which you should totally check out. That was at the Ritz Ebor as well. Saturday, March 30th, we've got Swingin' Utters, Lost in Society, and Broken Things at the Orpheum. And Sunday, March 31st, wrapping up the month, we've got Sick of It All and Iron Reagan at the Crowbar. Welcome to Cigar City Radio, episode number 95. The song you just heard was Serpentina by Shark Muffin. It's off the EP Gamma Gardening, which will be out April 5th via Exploding in Sound Records. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, making the magic happen, Mr. Jason Solanez. According to a shirt that Adam saw this weekend, and I don't disagree, the balls. I mean, I, I think that is biologically and anatomically correct, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not good with, with science. I am in, <laughs> in the balls. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. They're good to make sure of that yeah. our guest on this episode is technically our intern, Adam Kielbuck, who uh, attended three points festival this year um, and covered it for us and uh, took a lot of excellent social media posts and some fantastic coverage of the festival and what was going on. He's got a couple articles on our website, cigarcitymanagement.com, talking about his favorite acts from the fest and some of the other things he sees. We talked to him pretty comprehensively about who he saw on all three days of Three Points Festival, what his experiences were, and he talks very eloquently about that. If you want to hear Adam talk even more eloquently about other things that he enjoys, you can check out his YouTube channel, The Information where he uh, breaks down music and other uh, other music-related things. What do you do, Adam? I don't know. Uh, album reviews. Yeah, where he, on the information, he does album reviews and other covers other music topics. And he's generally a very knowledgeable guy, and we love having him as part of the team. So uh, this episode's starring him. He's our guest. So here it is, episode number 95.
coolest location right now. Um, sitting with the with a little bit of the crew, we got Jason here and uh, our intern Adam, who Adam just recently went to Three Points Music Festival in Miami. It's true. And uh, if you've seen our social media pages, you've probably seen some of his coverage. He did a bunch of Instagram stories. He wrote uh, a couple articles on our site, including a, a recap of the five acts that blew us away at three points. And by us, we mean Adam, because I was not at three points. Although I did get multiple texts once you went and like started doing an Instagram story from Asking those. If you were there. Yes. So yeah. many people were texting me like, dude, you're in Miami right now. Why didn't you tell me you were going to Miami? I was like, dude, I don't go to Miami. Like I, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going to be in Miami. So, um, yeah, I wasn't there, but I wish I could have been there, you know, well, because you, you lived vicariously I did. through the Instagram stories. I did. And it's almost better for me that way, you know, because oh, yeah. like as much as I love music festivals and I love, you know, the artists that are on three point, like I like I also like sitting at home and not being, being in, in crowds and yeah. being in traffic, you know, but it, it's it seemed like a pretty amazing experience like from the moment you got there and you walked in and like the the like light setup that they kind of had as you like walked into the entrance of three points so why don't you tell us a little bit about just kind of getting there and the arrival actually you know what let's back it up let's talk about because first you went and got your media pass so what was that like yeah i uh i fortunately we were planning on going to miami a day early on thursday because normally the festival is just like uh, friday through sunday um, but we got there a day early and fortunately they had this event set up at this five-star hotel, the SLS Brickle. And it was like, not exactly like downtown Miami, but it was like very much like the bougie, like right next to the beach, like a couple of blocks away from the beach. Like still very Miami. Very, very Miami. Like yeah. the only parking there is valet and it's like $24, like that kind of thing. Okay. So like me and my girlfriend, Kelsey, who was joining me. Because um, it was Valentine's Day. So shout out correct. to, this is a great way to spend Valentine's Day. Oh I yeah. We literally say. like went to a really nice Italian restaurant, like a block from the hotel. And then we like booked it in our nice clothes because I'm like, this will be perfect. Yeah. And we just drove straight to the hotel and I was gonna pull um, a, a cheapskate move and there was a Publix literally across the street. So I'm like, $24 for valet, free parking at <laughs> Publix, uh, this, Publix. This is, this is how, this is the intern mentality, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you savvy. Know. Yes. You gotta always like be two steps ahead. You yeah. know, I'm like, what would the person that doesn't live in Miami do? And so I did the free thing. Yeah. I parked over there, walked across the street. Um, beautiful like just amazing I, I took a ton of pictures and I posted them on my personal Facebook I was wanting to post them on the Cigar City thing too but like just the view like literally you come up through this elevator and the elevator itself that you go up to only goes up to the eighth floor and the eighth floor is a rooftop terrace pool and there's an indoor lounge there's like an outdoor lounge and there's also like an open bar that they were serving like basically it was like shots of margaritas that were free and you also had, it was uh, small bites, but it was essentially just like a like a ham and cheese board. Nice. Um, all Charcuterie, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Charcuterie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I got to partake in a little bit of that. Got my uh, media pass band, which was so, pretty cool. So yeah, so this is where you went to pick up your media pass was this hotel. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The whole the whole thing. Was so this is all like the three point setup then. Like this is what they were offering for other media and for, and, for media, yeah. yeah. VIP, uh, not VIPs actually. It was just strictly like media people. So like photographers and stuff like that, or like just me, where I was you know more social media sided, but. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was optional. Like you didn't have to go, like you could be like all the other plebes and go to box office or will 
called. But why would you do that when there's charcuterie and 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 shots for yeah margarita shots? Yeah, I mean you can't pass that up. And we were already in our Thursday best, so I was like, just go do it, you know. So that was a fantastic experience, pretending to be part of the one percent for about thirty minutes. Yeah, so that was that's great. Took a lot of nice pictures. Did you uh, did you see anybody? I I know you said this was just media, so you weren't like you know you weren't hanging out with Dev Hines. I'm assuming. Yeah, Blood Orange wasn't there. Unfortunately, he had uh, prior obligations. We missed him. But um, we did fortunately see him at the festival, which was uh, the preferred method of, you know, if you're going to yeah. see Blood Orange, you might as well see him with the full band. So yeah. my yeah, buddy no. Andy sees him at a coffee shop in L.A. Yeah. So that's probably not the preferred place to see him. I no. think you'd rather see him on stage than at a coffee shop. Yeah. But, but that's, that's still pretty cool, you know, for, for Andy. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I remember uh, bumping into him. I saw him at, at Moog Fest in 2016. We literally shared the same hotel. Apparently he was leaving to go do sound check when I was like coming into the door to like check into the hotel. So like I was like six inches away from Blood Orange and I just nice. went, that's cool. So yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty cool and it was just another fun little excursion at Three Points as well. Yeah. Um, just but part of the... So, so no blood orange sightings at the media, at the media. Unfortunately not. No, uh, no celebrities, no Paris Hilton or anything was there. So, so the next day three points starts and what's your overall experience, like getting into three point and and going into the festival. So this was my third year in a row going. Um, Fortunately, I've been uh, advantageous and, and lucky enough to never have to pay for the ticket. So that's, you know, always been covered and, Going with uh, my girlfriend Kelsey for all three years as well. That's that's been a, a definite blessing, you know. Just have someone there, you know, kind of sharing the moment and be like, "Dude, this is awesome." You yeah. Know? But um, the the first day is always pretty crazy. Uh, at least like the check in because everybody's there. You know, it's it's super swamped. The lines are super long just to get in, and that was even with us not having to go to will call because i think this year was the first year that they mailed out their wristbands in advance oh so you, so didn't, you didn't have to go to the will call at all yeah you you could if you wanted to um but you know kelsey was just like yeah let's you know you're gonna skip the thing altogether, so i might as well do that too but once you get through the line and get your your full body pat down um there's this really cool sort of like mini bridge of sorts and it sounds almost like a taser coming up there's like this like accelerated and then decreasing like clicking sound and it's um like this series of illuminated like LED squares that extend the length of the bridge and you basically walk across that and it's like this really cool sort of art installation that kind of ushers you into three points and then it leads you down this this pathway of shipping containers and there's this big like even huger LED um, logo of the three points logo like the triangle with like the three lines in the middle and that's like just a really cool way each day to sort of like let you know that like you're here, like it's official, like you're going to kick off three points in, in style. And now where is three points exactly in Miami? Like, is, is it, isn't it like in, in a park, like near the water or? So it's, um, it's kind of more inland. It's okay. not like by the airport or anything like that. And it's not on Miami beach. It's technically the area is called Mana Wynwood. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that's like familiar with Wynwood, it's just like a really cool place with a lot of um, like murals and street art. And there's a lot of art galleries and stuff down there. It's a really cool place to visit during the day. They do a lot of guided tours, Segway tours, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't want to, you know, use your legs, you can drive around your little Segway scooters in style. Um, but it's it's a really nice place and it, it really comes alive at night too, especially with three points. 
you know, being like the main thing that goes on there. There was actually a ton of different events that were going on that same weekend. There was a, I think it was like like a boat show okay. um, that was happening sort of down by the marina, lots of yachts and stuff like that. There was also Art Winwood, which was unrelated to Three Points, but it happened kind of in the same area. That was like the daytime stuff, whereas Three Points was like the nighttime event. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, uh, it turns out there was another event that was going on. It was an unauthorized um gallery exhibit of this i guess personal collection of just this random dude he had a ton of banksy things oh right on like a ton of different like art uh, things in various mediums various forms of i guess they're all banksy related i'm not really sure how he went about ascertaining any of that stuff and it was definitely not authorized by Banksy that was like in like big bold letters like he doesn't know I'm doing this yeah yeah but uh we you know maybe we, it was Banksy I mean no one knows yeah you know, I mean um, who I mean unfortunately we didn't get to go tickets were like uh, uh, 35 bucks and we just had no time during the day we were just booked with with daytime activities separate from all of that stuff but yeah I mean that was like a great weekend to go down to Miami and there was just everything going on in addition to three points so yeah you know, that was that was probably the big move was just do all that other stuff during the day and then hit up three points during the evening. Right on. You know, because sleep is for the week. So, yeah. Yeah. So that sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a great weekend in Miami. It so, was very cool. So let's start with, you know, the first day you get into the festival and who, who do you go to see first? So the Friday lineup was pretty stacked. Um, I was excited for... Um, uh, Dean Blunt was actually yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. one of the the early, uh, not so much headliners, but one of the early acts going on. Um, I was super stoked because Dean Blunt performing live is like seeing a unicorn. You know, it's just like this mythical, just this idea of like, yeah, I, I heard about his live performances, but you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I was really looking forward to what exactly he was going to do, because not only is it like a live show, but it's a festival show in Miami. So, you know, the the options just multiply exponentially of like what exactly Dean Blunt could do. And it turns out he did uh, a pretty Dean Blunt move in kind of subverting the expectations that everyone had, the huge hype around it. And he just did like a straightforward set. Like it was just him solo. He performed in complete darkness. Like there were no stage lights, no anything. And he just did pretty much the first 10 minutes or so um, was all his most recently released stuff. He put out an EP um, late last year. I want to say it was uh, like Soul on Fire or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had ASAP Rocky on one of the tracks. Uh, yeah, it was called Soul on Fire. It was like a brief like 20-minute mixtape. And it was just him playing out um, a lot of really distorted and really lo-fi like acoustic and electric guitar melodies. And they were basically like two to four bar loops and he would just just sing over them. And some of them he wouldn't even sing at all. Like they were just instrumental passages. And he would kind of just let those play out. And it would almost be like demos of sorts. Like they'd go by like in a minute, two minutes, and then he'd be done and move on to the next track. And then after he got through, I'm pretty sure it was the entirety of the mixtape, he played... Um, quote unquote, the hits, um, which is basically a small selection of the songs he put out on his last full length as Dean Blunt, Black Metal, which was a terrific album. Um, if you guys haven't heard that, it's a lot of like moody. I'm not hip, no. Yeah, Dean Blunt, it's just a lot of moody, again, acoustic and electric guitar passages. A lot of the beats are sample based as well as even some of the guitars as well. Um 
he played a song called 50 Cent, which doesn't feature 50 Cent. It's not a rap song, just another like kind of bluesy, moody uh, guitar ballad. And he had another song called 100, which is basically the same thing. Um, and throughout the set, which he cut 10 minutes short, and I'm not sure if it was because of this or if he would just plan to do this the whole time because Dean Blunt, but because he was performing in total darkness, there were a bunch of, um, I will use the term idiots. And they were like, oh, he's performing in total darkness. I can't take any video of this. Turns on flash on the phone and takes a flash video for like 30 seconds. Of course. And like illuminates his face. And he literally like looked at the guy and he was like, yo, turn that off. And he like interrupted the song he was doing. And some other guy was like taking flash photos and one of the tech people had to like come out from their little stage behind the scenes and like come down and they had basically like harassed the guys that were taking flash videos. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. You know, like obviously this is like purposeful artistic intent that he's like performing in total darkness, you know, just like obscuring his identity. Like that's what he does. Like whenever he would win like awards, like he won an NME award in like 2015 for black metal and he sent some guy in his place, you know, like it was just like some Jamaican or like, you know, some guy that very obviously was not him. Yeah. You know, so like that's very much in his kind of MO to just be mysterious and like kind of play into like, you know, the whole obfuscating his identity from the crowd and stuff and like not really performing for the audience, but just kind of doing things himself. And then yeah, so why can't people just watch it? Right. Like, why can't they just enjoy it and and take in the experience because instead of having if to... if they're there, yeah. they know who he is in that sense. They had to have heard some of his music before or else they would have been out watching Beach House with everyone else, which is yeah. what I wanted to do. But Dean Blunt, obviously, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime sure, thing. I mean, sure. so is Beach House. Beach House is pretty excellent. Yeah, yeah my, my girlfriend was out there watching them perform and she told me how amazing it was and she asked how <laughs> so Dean she, Blunt was. And yeah. I'm just like... I it's not even worth describing. It was just, you, you wouldn't even like understand half the stuff that I would, I would tell you cause she's not familiar with this discography at all. Yeah. Um, but that's the good thing about three points is that, you know, they have those really esoteric, really left field, really like once in a lifetime performances. And then you also have like, not necessarily the mainstream, but they're still left of center big acts like, you know, yeah. Beach house and the internet and like Kelsey Lou and stuff like that. So he, he basically to end the set off, uh, Dean Blunt uh, dropped like a ten minute harsh noise set, and it everybody was like moving up simultaneously. Like the people that were like, "Oh man, maybe this is just like a troll, and he's gonna, you know, come back out and like do a little like encore because it's he had like ten minutes left. He ended the set ten minutes early, yeah. so people were like moving up, like, "Oh, maybe this is gonna be something else," and then everybody else left. Like by the time the the harsh noise faded out and like the house lights came back up, there were probably like 10 people, including me. So it was like a really, really, really sparse show. Like it was really kind of funny watching people slowly leave as like his set yeah, went on, yeah, just that's like not understanding like people, it Yeah, all. just not getting it. No, they were like, oh, Dean Blunt. And then they left like, Dean what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was again, the, fun. that's another one where like, if you, if you're not familiar with his music, you see his name and you just assume, ah, oh, he's got blunt in his name. Like he's got to be a rapper, right? Like, oh, so yeah. maybe there were just people that were just totally confused by what was going on. Yeah. Let's light one up and see what he's got to yeah. offer. And yeah. And then just, they get there. Did nothing. 
So, <laughs> so speaking of names, that was one of the things that, uh, you know, first made me realize, I guess, how old I am and how out of touch I am with a lot. But um, I guess just also how insane artist names have gotten now. So what are, uh, what are some of your favorite artist names from the three point festival? Cause there are some good ones. I can give you some of my picks if you want, but I, I have a feeling they're probably going to overlap. Um, cause I'm going to hit like the big ones. Um, yeah. DJ Seinfeld, DJ Seinfeld, DJ Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I actually caught about 20 minutes of his set. Fortunately, there was like a kerfuffle of sorts. There was like a scheduling, uh, not mishap, but they moved all the acts up on his stage. He was performing at two hours earlier. Interesting. Yeah. So there was kind of a conflict with him and um, Tyler, the creator, who was headlining that right. night, Friday. Um, but I fortunately did get to see a little bit of him. He's um, one of the like lo-fi house producers, like one of the big like two or three names. It's like him and Ross from Friends, the equally Ross, Ross, amazing it, name. So wait, wait. So there's a DJ Seinfeld and a Ross from Friends. And Ross from Friends. Wow. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they came up with the names like like separated from each other. Like they had no idea that they were like, that they were both going to do nineties sitcom based names. Yeah. I think that was just a complete coincidence. Um, That's amazing. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ross from friends, I guess he was busy uh, doing something. I'm not really sure, but they, they couldn't get him, but they got the third best kind of lo-fi house producer in the game right now. And that's mall grab. Oh, he was another uh, pretty solid act that I didn't get to see as much of as I wanted to. But yeah, I mean, you've got DJ Seinfeld, you've got Mall Grab, yeah, um, a, you've got uh, Dean Blunt, obviously. Um, what about a uh, Rat Bastard? Rat Bastard. Um, I I was unfortunately uh, not able to catch their set, um, so I can't tell you for sure if the music sounds at all like uh, the name would describe. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know like what could that be. Rat Bastard could be like a hardcore punk band or they could be like... Or it could be a rap artist. Or, yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Um, your guess is as good as mine. I guess I'll have to dig more into some of that. Um, I mean, obviously, this is one of the more well-known bands that performed, but Godspeed You, Black Emperor. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were, they were I pretty can't cool. Believe, I can't believe they performed. That's such a such an interesting grab for this festival it really is like they're they're always trying to have more indie leaning like indie rock kind of stuff um but even still like some honest to goodness post-rock like they've never had that at the festival as far as i have been aware so that was like really cool because i'm not familiar with their work at all that was something that my girlfriend kind of like not dragged me to but she was like yeah you gotta check these guys out like they're gonna be really cool yeah i'm sure that's an amazing show i'm not i'm not into the post-rock thing too much but like they they seem to be one of the like innovators one of, one of, the of that yeah of that genre. So I would definitely I would definitely be interested in seeing what their sets like. Yeah, their their setup in general was pretty crazy. I didn't have the best view of kind of the stage because it was a lot more booked than I thought it was going to be. Um, but they had two drummers set up. They had three guitarists, a bassist. One guy on, I believe it was the double bass or like the upright bass uh-huh. and a violinist. Like that was their whole setup. That that seems like too many people. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> was, it was pretty tight on stage. Yeah. But, um, they, the two drummers thing is just, that's crazy. Yeah. One of them apparently had like the full drum kit 
and um, the second guy didn't have a kick drum kind of set okay. up. It was basically just like toms and then like ride cymbals, percussion, that kind of thing. So he would kind of like layer the percussion grooves. And he was, was he like standing then? While he literally playing? was yeah. standing. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So he, I mean, obviously he had no reason to sit down because he didn't have a kick drum to play. So he was just standing for like an hour. So that I thought that was pretty cool that like he was kind of one of us, you know, just like standing, performing his, his, uh, his thing. But yeah. Yeah, that was that was certainly really cool. That was one of the highlights of the festival for sure. Very cool. What were your so, your weird names? Well, yeah, I want to I want to hear more of your highlights too. But let me just run through some of these names that I like. I'm just I'm looking at the the roster right now or the list the lineup right now. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we we talked about DJ Seinfeld, which is a great name. Rat Bastard, Dude Skywalker, <laughs> Tamaguchi. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I could say anything right now, and the listeners would be like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds real." Like, because cheese sandwich, yeah, cheese sandwich they is not were, on the they list. Were the best. Let's yeah. just be clear: there's no cheese sandwich, but there is. Uh, who else we got? A- Ack Daddy. I don't even know what that means. Ack Daddy. I'm I'm not sure either. Your guess is yeah. as good as mine. There, the aforementioned mall grab. Mm-hmm. Get face beard oils. <laughs> that's a made up one too but you'll never know you'll never know nope. sons of immigrants is one of these artists hmm. sons of immigrants aren't we all that just sounds descriptive vhs collection okay butterfly snapple i feel like Come vhs on. collection could be like a massive troll and it would just be like a guy with like a big box and he's just like yeah this one's home alone 2 lost in new york uh i like that one a lot it's one of my favorites <laughs> and he just like literally like verbatim goes on to describe his VHS collection. I think that'd be a missed opportunity if he didn't do that. I'm still trying to figure out Butterfly Snapple. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I did see that. That was... Um, <laughs> also Bear. Somebody just named Bear. Bear. Oh, wow. That's that's dedication. That's like understanding right away that like you're not going to get any Google traffic. <laughs> yeah, like that's the, that's 100% an ungoogleable name. So <laughs> So there are a lot of pretty amazing names. Uh, on this festival, that's just that's just naming a few. I mean, we didn't even get into Auntie Flow. It's another one. Yeah, Good Friday. <laughs> ghost flower. That ghost flower sounds kind of cool. All very good ones. So tell us tell us a little bit more then about. So who else did you see on Friday? Um, so Friday was. Let me bring up my official itinerary here so i don't miss anybody oh um i'm just pretty much gonna go like in order because dean blunt was like the second act that i saw okay Um, we kicked off the festival with the internet oh awesome who um that was really only their second time performing in miami and i believe their second time in florida in general i think the only time that they had come to florida was touring with uh mac miller r.i.p um i think it was last year he had put out an album. I'm not familiar with his work, so I don't know which album it was that they were kind of supporting with him, but they were support for that. I think they played um, the Jackie Gleason Amphitheater in mm-hmm. Miami last year or year before, but they were fantastic. They um, uh, originally were on the Odd Future Wolfgang Kill Them All kind of roster back when they were all releasing things through that uh, collective um, and they've really since then kind of come into their own. Um, they're headed by uh, the person that just goes by Sid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sid the Kid. Oh, of uh, course. Yeah. Um, they're very much uh, in the general realm of like 
uh, a blood orange and stuff like that, where it's very like R and B leaning, very like funky soul, like seventies kind of influence. It's, it's a very, very groovy, very laid back kind of vibe. Um, if you're familiar with like Anderson pack, Anderson Pac, however you pronounce mm-hmm. it, it's very, very much in that same similar vein. That sounds dope. Yeah. They were very, very cool. Um, my only complaint about that show was that I didn't get enough of the actual vocals from Sid. A lot of the choruses and stuff like that were like literally chorused vocals where it was kind of like gospel background choruses and she didn't have very much to sing on top of that. Um, But the show itself, like the energy was very cool, very vibey, very funky for sure. Um, I wanted that set to go on longer just from the the sound of things alone. It was very cool, very tight performances. Um, the aforementioned Dean Blunt set was after that. That was very cool, very enigmatic. Um, Beach House kind of conflicted with that. I was told their visuals were amazing. Um, around that time, I, after Dean Blunt set, I had to book it, um, to get some food because I knew that was going to be the only time. And the food was actually really good this year too. Yeah. Just to sort of have I know that they were going to have quick, some, some, yeah, yeah, some good eats there. Yeah, um, that was, I actually, I'm probably mispronouncing it because I'm white, but I found a new soda of choice, uh, Jaritos. Jaritos? Yeah, Jaritos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jaritos is where it's at, man. Yeah, I never had that before. I know that we, um, um, that they sell it at like Publix and stuff like yeah. that for like a dollar. Uh, it was like $3 at the festival, but they had a lot of like really cool flavors. Like they had like grapefruit mm-hmm. and uh, mango and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. lime is oh, the, the Yeah, the, the green one, that's, yeah. that's where it's at. The neon unhealthy green one. Yeah. They, they didn't, they did not have lime, unfortunately. They had one that was just called Jamaica. Yes, the yeah. Jamaica flavors. It's like red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I, one's really good. I, I was like, what does Jamaica taste like? And they're like, we don't know. We haven't had that one yet because it's the first day of the festival. What does Jamaica taste like? Well, I went on the Wikipedia website and apparently it's supposed to be like a hibiscus flavor. Okay. Uh, kind of, kind of, it's the red kind of color, but it kind of yeah. tasted to me like a really like muted, like a cherry flavor almost. Nice. It like wasn't quite fruit punch, but it was pretty good too. So yeah, that's like a new favorite like soda that I have now because that's like the main drink that they were selling there. They didn't have like a fountain drink or anything that you could you could get. It was basically just um, that or um, eighteen dollar shots of Red Bull and vodka. So I was like, I'll take a Yoritos. Well, uh, now I know what now we know what to get Adam next time he, he comes through is uh, oh, yeah. some uh, some some Dominican soda, some refresco rojo. Yeah, you ever had that? No, I haven't. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna you're gonna have an experience. We're gonna have to do a follow up podcast specifically about Dominican soda. I think. And get your experience on as, that. that. As a disclaimer, good. this uh, this soda and knocked one of our interns off the wagon. Yeah, she soda. hadn't had no sugar. Like for sugar. Yeah, she hadn't had sugar in like <laughs> two years or something. Oh, and then man. we gave her this soda, and she like drank the entire two liter. Now we haven't heard from her since. <laughs> yeah, no, we really haven't. <laughs> no, we I don't know. I don't know where she is. That may have been the she, last. Yeah, time no, she's her. just like spiraled off the. She's then. in the woods eating flowers for sugar. Yeah. So, wow. so, all right. So you, you had some jaritos. So you got introduced to some incredible Mexican soda. Yeah. And then did you eat anything particularly exciting? Yeah, there was, there was some pretty good stuff. Um, the third night I had a burger. Um, I want to say it was, it wasn't Fuchs because they're a local Miami eatery, but they had something else going on. They had like a different, uh, stand that was in a separate area. I, man, I can't, I think it was like proofs or something like that, but, or just maybe proof singular. They had a fantastic burger. They had um, some caramelized onions on there, but they were all like diced up like they do at McDonald's, but like 
better. Yeah, um, I would hope. Yeah, some really delicious like melted uh, cheese on there. Um, that was just fantastic. It was seasoned very well. Um, the other previous two nights, Friday and Saturday, I had um, a taco place um, that had the yarditos, and they had some really good tacos. I had uh, barbacoa tacos the mm, first nice. night, and then the second night I had like some uh, I think it was like some braised chicken or something like that, like some chopped and braised chicken. And they had uh, some salsa verde, um, some queso fresco, a little bit of cilantro. They gave you like a little lime wedge to uh, spritz on there too. Just like really fantastic stuff. The portions were a little small, obviously, just because it's a festival. But yeah. it was like $7 for two tacos. Like, you know, you, you got out of there for $10 a person. That's, so, not, that's not terrible. Yeah, for, for a, a music festival, that's yeah. more than solid. I mean, considering across the way they were selling like one slice of pizza for seven dollars yeah and it wasn't like a big like oversized new york slice for seven dollars it was just like a regular like slice i was like i'll take those tacos thank you very much but yeah they had a lot of really great options for food this year they always have good yeah food options for sure. three points that's part of the the thing about miami it's just it's such a foodie place you know me and me and kelsey were, were just running around during the day just eating to our heart's content there's just so much good food in miami it really cannot be overstated enough yeah um but yeah, after that little diatribe, back to the uh, the music, which is what we're all here to listen uh, to. Um, Toro y Moi had a great DJ set. Yeah, that's really cool that he yeah he did a DJ set. Yeah, um, which is cool too because he's performing at Gasparilla. I know coming up in like a week or two, uh, but it's actually going to be a live performance. So I'll be seeing Toro y Moi twice, like in like a less than a month span, which is pretty rad. Nice. Um, and his his DJ set was mostly. Um, I thought it was going to be more of like a mixed bag as far as like other people's material and his own material. But like the 45 minutes or so that I was able to catch um, before jetting off to the next act, it was pretty much um, selections from his new album, uh, Outer Peace, mm-hmm. which I totally get because it's very like uh, a funky, like din- d- uh, disco tinged affair. A lot of um, like trap rap inspired tunes that he played from that um, album. And also he dropped a mixtape like a week or two after the album itself came out called Soul Trash. And it was a lot of very, very lo-fi, like demo quality, uh, almost like cloud raps, um, just very like atmospheric, like lots of booming 808s and stuff. And he had a couple um, guest rappers on the mixtape, but he didn't credit any of them. So I'm not sure who they were. Um, I didn't recognize any of them, but he played a, a huge selection from the Soul Trash mixtape as well. Dope. Um, and a couple selections as his work for Lay Sins, which is just his like dance side project um, that he's released quite a few things from as well. I heard a couple older tracks, uh, Grind, for those familiar with his work as Lay Sins. Um, yeah, it was it was really rad, very danceable set. It, the The... the floor was packed with people oh i'm sure flooding in from the beach house set like as soon as that ended they all went in uh to the uh indoor stage to see toro spin and it was super crazy but the atmosphere was amazing um after that was tyler the creator we went back outside to go see him basically everyone from the toro set like went back outside yeah so they just like all followed everybody and that that was a really really good set um i was kicking myself during the set for not listening to his last album, Flower Boy. Oh, so good. Yeah, I've heard it was amazing. Like his his best work, sort of like a, like, you know, the, the like his work was like leading up to that point. So it's yeah. kind of like his magnum opus of, of I, sorts. I definitely think so too. It's it's totally him like coming into his own as a, 
as a songwriter and performer. And he's got that, that introduced me to that Kaliukas. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, mm. man, that, yeah, that, that is a really good record. So yeah, definitely yeah. listen to flower boy. So he performed a bunch from that. I'm assuming pretty much. Did he I, do I his, uh, 90% of it. Yeah. Did he do any tracks from, uh, his, uh, the Grinch soundtrack? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. No, he didn't I, do I the was, Grinch. I was crossing my fingers. You yeah. know, he's like, Grinch, 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 Grinch. <laughs> no, no, no Grinch, Grinch. No Grinch was to be found. Unfortunately, he did actually throw it way back to, um, uh, I want to say Goblin or Bastard, if I can say that word on air. Oh yeah, you can, okay, we already cool. said Fat Bastard or Rat Bastard oh, like true, twenty that's times. True. What am How I talking you? about? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He played the song "She" uh, with Frank Ocean, mm-hmm. which was like that yeah, was what I was song. listening to in high school, like his first two records. Um, that was a really cool, uh, moment hearing him do that. And then just his, in general, his energy was amazing. I mean, the, the production like on stage, there were like a ton of like, um, like smoke blasters that were just like shooting into the air and the, the drops were like tremendous. He would just like leap off stage and just, he, he gave it 125%. Honestly, it was just such a, such a sight to see him really like leave it all out there. Yeah. And, and the, the awesome part is he pretty much ended the set off with, um, he performed, I want to say it was who that boy with, uh, ASAP Rocky, um, who was performing Sunday and I wasn't expecting him to come out. Cause you know, like two days early, yeah, he yeah. kind of doesn't really have a reason to be there yet, but that was really cool to see them kind of like collab and like work together. Um, I think they also performed a collaborative track, um, but I could be mistaken. Um, but it, it was just like kind of all blurring together. It was just very, very cool. Um, after Tyler, the creator, we caught about 20 minutes of DJ Seinfeld, okay. um, the, the end of his set pretty much, which was very cool, very like booming, bumping. It, um, because it was a DJ set, it wasn't like his own material. So it wasn't a lo-fi house necessarily. It was pretty much just straightforward, like club and house music and deep house. Mm-hmm. But it was still very, very engaging. The, the crowd was very much into it. Um, and at that point our backs pretty much gave out and we were like, we could go see JPEG mafia after this and get our like faces melted off, but just like kind of agreed that we really didn't have the energy for that. I mean, you had two more days left. Like this is just day one. We can't, we can't like burn ourselves out day one and like not enjoy the rest of it. But yeah, that was a very, very good Friday. Um, so, so Friday, you know, kind of headlined by Tyler, the creator and beach house, but then Saturday, Is SZA, James Blake, Herbie Hancock, Raekwon, and Ghostface Killa performing so. only built for Cuban Link? Yes, which is am- which is amazing. So, yeah. did, did you get to see that? We saw two songs okay. of them okay. doing that. That was kind of like an interstitial. Like we ran to go grab water, and it was inside while they were performing the album, and so we were just kind of like waiting in line to fill up our water bottles, and uh, kind of incidentally caught two of the two of their songs but it was it was very good the crowd was like super into it like there was nobody kind of hanging back yeah no it was like up oh yeah just really really vibing i mean it's the wu-tang clan like you know people yeah no i didn't see any kids though which is unfortunate because wu-tang is for the children it is yeah um unfortunately uh just not really an environment for them to to really thrive i guess guess. not yeah so so what else did you see saturday because the the lineup on saturday is is absolutely stacked yeah saturday was totally stunning saturday was like so much running around like we were totally exhausted by the end um we kicked things off with 
honestly like one of my top three favorite sets at three points not just like this year but in general like out of all the three points i've been to uh kelsey lou yeah yeah you wrote about that in or about kelsey lou in the in your recap article yeah i was very excited to bring my girlfriend kelsey to go see a fellow kelsey and just something about the name man just a really talented people you know just the kelsey uh, is just taking over the world uh, pretty much i mean i certainly wouldn't mind if both kelsey's were leaders of some sort of a body of of nations but yeah it was um <laughs> it was really really good it's really hard to describe kelsey lou's music it kind of um if i had to put it into genres it would have to be like hyphenated genres like neo soul and like um alternative r&b um a little bit of um ambient in places she is like like the term multi-instrumentalist really doesn't do her justice. Like she plays the cello. She played guitar on a couple tracks that she performed. Um, She also does um, harp as well. She played at three points last year and it was a solo set kind of off in one of the smaller stages. And it was just her playing her harp and singing. And her voice is like the best instrument of of all of the things that she does yeah it's just so heavenly and it just really like takes you to some mystical place you know if you close your eyes you feel like you're floating on a cloud in like some like gorgeous tropical ocean or something like that it's it's really very very pillowy very it just envelops you in like a very like intoxicating kind of way and her performing with a full band this time like on the main stage it, everything sounded so much better, so much grander and like just, sorry, everything was just bumped up to the nth degree. It was yeah. just really allowed her to kind of like put her full self out there and not worry about like playing any other instruments or anything. It was just like the perfect set, basically. That sounds she, amazing. She has such control over her voice. It's unbelievable. Even like my girlfriend, like she... um uh, does private tutoring and lessons for kids, adults um, that are wanting to do like voice lessons and guitar lessons and stuff like that. And so she knows like a good voice when she hears one and sees one. And she like turned to me after like the second song and she was like, she's amazing. Like she has such vocal range and control. She's like the Mariah Carey of like the cello. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the super <laughs> alternative Mariah Carey. Oh yeah. 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 That's incredible. Yeah. That's, we yeah. Got, but yeah, after Kelsey Lou, we like really dove even deeper into the whole like jazz and R&B side of things in the soul with Herbie Hancock, yeah. which is just incredible to see him live. You know, it's just another case of people that just know their craft, you know, just like true masters of their work. And obviously, you know, these people have been performing for like 40, 50, you know, in some cases, even 60 years. So they've they've really just mastered it to the point where it's just mind blowing and just jaw dropping to see them perform. Yeah, um, well, and it's so cool that they're on the same bill as like James Blake and Ty Siegel, you know? Like oh, that's, I know. That's so yeah, cool. yeah, <laughs> and like James Murphy and right. and stuff. It's it really speaks to the eclectic nature of the lineups each year for three points because you know you, they it, it seems like they won't be able to top it each year and then each year they do somehow you know yeah and Herbie Hancock was really just like the icing on the cake I mean he wasn't even billed as a headliner like that's how crazy of a lineup that this is where one of the biggest legends in jazz and jazz fusion isn't even like headlining on the on the day that he performs yeah like that's yeah. how crazy that is. But um, so so who else did you see Saturday? 
Well, Saturday after Herbie Hancock, um, after I picked up the remnants of my brain and, and put them back together. Right. Um, after Herbie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that followed up with even more R&B goodness with James Blake. Nice. Um, and honestly, as amazing as Herbie Hancock was, James Blake was like a bucket list artist for me personally. So seeing him perform, it was just like everything I wanted. And honestly, that was one of the sets that I was just like, I could have easily watched another hour of that. Like he only did an hour 15. Like that's pretty much the max that they'll give for like headliners. And like that's pretty long for a festival. So yeah. I mean, even SZA performed only an hour. So she got 15 minutes less than James Blake. And arguably you could uh, say that she was more of a headliner than he was. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She she was listed first. Yeah. On the flyer. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was like one of the top three or four names on there. Yeah. Um, James Blake got second line, but I mean, he, he, he was just so incredible. You know, he, he performed a lot of the stuff off of his new record, Assume Form, which is an excellent record. It's basically a love record too, which I like a lot because um, most of his previous works, you know, were very like cold and kind of distant and lyrically they were very vague and cryptic and stuff. And yeah, no, I was really pleasantly surprised with that record. You know? Yeah, it, it was alarmingly straightforward for a James Blake record, but it still played to a lot of his strengths and just hearing him sound so happy and just like in this puppy love honeymoon kind of thing yeah it's it's just really really great and it gives his his music uh, a totally different energy and it just it gives it much more warmth and sincerity and seeing him perform a lot of those new songs was was just really really great and it was awesome because he said that this was the first date um of his tour that he eventually embarked on so this was like really the first or second time of him performing a lot of the new songs in like a proper setting, like a live setting since the release of the record. So Very a lot cool. of it was still him kind of like tweaking with like the presentation of some of the songs. Cause obviously like with his guest verses from um, Andre 3000 mm-hmm. on where's the catch and the Travis Scott track um, that he was on as well. Um, you know, he kind of let those acapellas just kind of play out. He didn't really like have the backing instrumentation for it, which I thought was an interesting decision. Um, but yeah, that's just one of those sets that like he could have pooped in a bag and threw it at me. And I would have been like, wow, that was one of the best sets I've ever seen. James Blake, amazing (laughs) guy. Pooped in a bag (laughs) and threw it at me. Yeah. I'm sorry for that image, but like literally he just could have just sat there and just like talked to us and it just would have been just as amazing. But fortunately he had a lot of great music to play as well. Sorry. He was eating the couch. Oh, it's fine. He can eat the couch. Um, um, did you, uh, did, did you happen to see our boys plastic pinks? No, unfortunately they no. were performing a little early. They, yeah, I yeah. think they had a conflicting time with Kelsey Lou. Mm-hmm. We, we, we tried to get there earlier, um, you know, some of the nights, but, uh, most of the acts that we wanted to see ended up going on about like six thirty, six forty five, seven o'clock. So yeah, right on. I mean, even still, you know, being there for like six hours in some cases, it just takes a lot out of you. So. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But so. Um, after James Blake, um, we caught about 20 minutes of mall grab, uh, performing his stuff. A lot of it was, um, very similar to what we saw from DJ Seinfeld, a lot Mm -hmm. of like straightforward, like club bangers, but mall grabs were a little bit more (coughs) melodic, a little bit more, uh, arpeggios and stuff like that, a little more atmospheric. Um, so I was definitely, um, a pretty big fan of like the stuff that he was dropping when we were there. Um, and then we kind of ran over to catch the last 20, 25 minutes or so of John Mouse, Another sort Very of cool. rare, a rare yeah. sighting. Um, Kelsey, unfortunately, was not as uh, enthralled with his um, vocal delivery as I was. It was pretty much 
a one man show. There was no band. There was no, you know, instrumentation or anything. It was, it was, um, kind of unofficially billed as like a karaoke set for the most part. Like he didn't even have a laptop or anything that he was kind of fiddling with on his own. Yeah. It was just him with a microphone standing on stage, just beating himself up. It was really weird. A lot of his mannerisms were very like self-flagellating, um, <laughs> just punching himself in the face, honestly. Like just weird. not even, yeah, it was really, really weird. Very, it must've been like cathartic for him in like such a, such a strange yeah. sense to perform his tracks. I don't know what, would compel somebody to punch themselves in the face while performing their own music. But I mean, that's John Mouse for you. You know, yeah, he just kind of doesn't play by the rules. You know, he's like his own <laughs> he's guy. A, he's a maverick. He's a loose cannon vigilante yeah. artist on the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, like the tunes were super great. I mean, basically, if anyone's familiar with Ariel Pink, it's basically Ariel Pink, but with like a more brooding and kind of wild vibrato. I'm not super familiar with John Mouse, um, his previous works, but it was very cool to just see him perform mm -hmm. live because again it's just one of those unicorn acts where you're just like yeah you like, have to see it like yeah. even if you don't even really know his music that much like you just know yeah, he's like one of those he doesn't perform ever one of those much. people that i'm like surprised even performs at all like i didn't even know he did live shows like that you know so, yeah like, that's i mean it, it was it was very very interesting to see him just up there just like sweating buckets like throwing his body around in ways that you're just like that has to hurt and just like be so counterintuitive to like what you're trying yeah. to do as a performer but he you know in his own way kind of left it all out there <laughs> in, in, a, in a very john mouse kind of way um after that we uh did the aforementioned water bottle run to uh accidentally kind of see two or three songs from ghostface killer and raekwon performing only nice. built for cuban links a true 90s hip-hop classic yeah um, that was very cool to see some of that. We would have stuck around a little bit more, but we wanted to see SZA perform. Um, they basically kind of had conflicting set times. Um, SZA, unfortunately, I have to say, really the only disappointment of of all of Three Points, uh, the only act that really, like, really disappointed me in the sense that especially seeing Kelsey Liu perform earlier that day, and her vocal control and her vocal range and just her attitude and professionalism, comparing it to seeing SZA just sort of like not have any perceived control whatsoever, just really like vocally straining a lot, like really hitting high notes that she probably knew she couldn't hit, but like tried to do it anyway. And just in general was, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say unprofessional, but she just seemed very much, um, kind of like ungroomed and, and just sort of wild in the sense that she didn't really have a very good stage presence. It was basically just like her kind of doing her own thing. And for such like a big artist, I yeah. mean, like she's been nominated for like Grammys and stuff recently. Yeah, um, she was just nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, as well. <laughs> like, uh, Kendrick yeah. for that Black Panther song. But I just... I couldn't really vibe with it at all. And I, I turned to That's Kelsey and she was just like shaking her head and she was just like, yeah, I don't really need to stick around for this. So yeah. um, the the one silver lining about it was we did get to see her uh, perform a cover of Sixpence, None the Richer's Kiss Me. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw like- That ended yeah. up going viral. Yeah. Um, I saw that on Consequences Sound like the morning after. I was right. like, oh snap. I didn't even realize that was 
that big of a deal. But yeah, it, that that was a pretty cool cover. That's that's an interesting cover for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of kind of giving it a, an R and B coat of paint was yeah, yeah. was pretty cool. Um, but the rest of it, unfortunately, was was not too much to write home about. I know I know quite a few people. Uh, felt the opposite and they were just like super into the whole set and they were just like man SZA she just like rocked it and yeah you know, we, but we just like we're not feeling it hmm. I, I don't know but um yeah kind of a weird note to end on for Saturday but like just such a huge huge amount of like great acts that we saw yeah. before that that just it was just incredible I wish we would have had the energy to stay to see Ty Seagal yeah. and White Fence play but we we were just totally spent so we had to cut our losses and come back Sunday for another great night. So, yeah. So, so Sunday, you know, we got ASAP Rocky, Erica Badu, the aforementioned Godspeed, you black emperor and blood orange. And, Oh yeah. You know what? So what, tell us about Sunday. Who did you see then? Um, so Sunday we kicked things off with Tim Hecker. Oh yeah. Shout out to Tim Hecker, man. Yeah. Shout out Tim Hecker. I Um, hear he's incredible live. He is. He is incredible live. He also, um, this was our second time seeing him live. He was another one of the artists um, that we saw at Moogfest in 2016. Um, Back then, he was just performing solo from his album. I believe it was um, not Love Streams, but the one after that, Virgins. Um, I want to say it was was the tour around that. But this time was a little interesting. I wanted to see how the live show would kind of change in the sense that he was performing with an ensemble. Um, with his new record, Kanoyo. Um, I wasn't sure if that meant that it was going to be like played out in its entirety, like front to back, like they were just going to perform the album and nothing else, or if it was still going to be kind of like a mix of his previous material, but like with the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking forward to kind of what he had to offer. Um, it was kind of a weird, um, slow start. I think there were a little, uh, some like some technical issues that they had at the very beginning. Um, and it really was less of an ensemble as it was just like Tim Hecker sitting down on the laptop and just kind of like manipulating sounds digitally on his end, um, which was for the first like 10, 15 minutes or so, just like a really slow, monotonous like bass rumble. And there wasn't a lot of added instrumentation at that point. I'm sure obviously, you know, some bands like to have like the brooding atmospheric intro, but I felt that one kind of went on a little bit long. And after about, you know, 10 minutes or so, he brought out a second guy and that guy would basically perform a selection of Asian and Japanese instruments. Um, I couldn't tell you the names of any of them. I think some of them are like the shakuhachi or something like that. But um, it was basically a collection of the instruments that were played on the record, Konoyo, which is very obviously like Eastern and Japanese inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, but we unfortunately had to, before they really got too deep into it, had to cut it about half an hour short because... Um, Blood Orange was performing uh, outside on the main stage and we really wanted to see him as yeah, much as we love, yeah. um, you know, really cacophonous and like ear shattering, like ambient drones. We really also love really fun, like pleasant, breezy, funky R&B and sure. uh, Blood Orange again, not to keep saying the same thing, but he was another artist that we saw at Moogfest as well. And that was like the first time that he was really on our radar. So we knew that we had to go see him again because he was one of the best sets from Moog, uh, Moogfest. Yeah, and he's really like, developed and grown in the last couple of years. So absolutely. Yeah. Like that's really putting it lightly. Um, he performed again, like with a full band and, you know, with his new album that he had just put out last year, Negro Swan, that was such a great collection of tunes that fit so well into just like the Miami atmosphere. Yeah. Was, that's like the perfect, that's like the perfect thing to listen to in Miami. Absolutely. You know, it's like super tropical, super breezy, super, 
like laid back, but also like very engaging and funky. And the one of the nice things about his performances is that he always gives, uh, if not equal time, um, he gives a lot of emphasis to the background singers. Mm -hmm. Like he'll give them like solos and like allow them to sing basically any song where there was like a guest vocalist, like Empress of or Puff Daddy. And, yeah. Um, uh, Tay Shi from the new record. Um, he had his background singers sing those parts um, rather than just like play the, you know, pre recorded a cappella of the guest vocal over top of it, which I thought was really generous. And that just kind of like speaks to like what a good guy Dev Hines, aka Blood Orange, yeah. is. You know, he, he really just like wants to spread the love. Yeah, yeah. And it's it seems like he's really supportive of all the artists that he works with. Like actually, um, you know, our friend Salt Cathedral um, mm -hmm. opened for, they're opening for Empress Of right now on on, on tour. And they just played uh, in New York. And I heard that Dev Hines was there at the show, like to see, you know, Empress Of, which is really cool. You yeah. know, that's like, you know, that a, a bigger <laughs> artist like that would go and you know, support an artist that they like, you know, that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. You, you definitely know that like, he has like a huge, um, just outcropping of just like friends, you know, just like yeah. artists and just people he would call friends. And it was really, really cool to see him just out on stage, just like having fun and just having a great time. And you could tell everybody was, was enjoying the set. You know, it was, it was a lot of, um, a lot of fun, uh, for sure. Um, but funny segueing from the easy breezy vibes of blood orange to the harrowing post-rock sounds of god speeds you black emperor right right yeah that's, yeah that's quite a transition <laughs> definitely one of the hardest pivots at three points yeah um but it, it was again just another fantastic show i know a lot of people were kind of lamenting the um i guess you could perceive it as like a short set time you know they only performed an hour so I heard a lot of people joking like, oh, cool. So like, which two songs are they going to play? Yeah. Because they're very much, um, you know, long frame post-rock, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 minute songs. Um, since I'm not personally familiar with their work, I couldn't tell you which ones they played or didn't play or people wanted to play. Um, but it was definitely very much in line with like kind of what I was expecting from them. Um, and my girlfriend seemed to be very happy with the set as well. Um, a lot of it was just very like, um, I'm trying to think of another word besides harrowing, but harrowing is just like <laughs> that's, pretty that's much a, it's the best word, word to describe it. Um, yeah. it's basically like, if you've ever seen the movie seven, it's basically like if they made the soundtrack to seven, like okay. that's the kind of music, just like really like you can hear like rain kind of dr drizzling over yeah. top of the instrumentation. Um, like I said, the, um, the, the band, the whole setup was just like super huge, you know, two different drummers three different guitarists, including a, a bassist as well, and then an upright bass um, and a, a, a violinist, or I think it was a cello maybe. But yeah, I, I also loved the visuals that they had. Um, the projections were very much in line with like, again, Seven, where it was just like ominous notebooks, like just like full notebooks of, of weird passages and yeah. um, like drone footage, like grainy, like, D um digitized drone footage of like empty buildings and like scaffolds and stuff and like empty towns and stuff it was it was really kind of depressing but like in an intriguing way um that really just you know it's not something that you would normally see at three points so again we we just knew we had to be there and it was it was it was very impressive um there's it's definitely a band that I I would go see again and and yeah. check out their stuff now that I've become a little bit more familiar with their sound 
Well, like I said earlier, like it's yeah, it's not really my thing, but I would love to see that band live because oh, yeah. it sounds incredible. Yeah, it, it really was. They they put on quite a show in their in their own way. You know, yeah. I mean, instrument instrumental instrumental post rock really kind of you know is its is is its own beast. So after going from Blood Orange to Godspeed You Black Emperor, where did you, where did you pivot from there? So from there, we had about a forty five minute gap. We kind of. Um, made the mutual decision to uh, skip Erica Badu. Okay. Which I know seems kind of like, like, why would you do that? But um, we kind of compromised. We knew that um, we'd be needing to go get some food. So that was like our kind of dinner pit stop at like yeah. 10 o'clock in the, at night. Sometimes food, you know, is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, you I gotta mean, you, yeah, you got to uh, fill up to you so you can kind of tr- uh, truck on for the next leg. But um, the nice thing was, since it was all open air, you could kind of uh, pretty easily hear um, Erica Badu's set from where we were sitting and eating. Mm-hmm. So we kind of didn't really have to necessarily miss her set at all. Like we were just kind of eating and, and yeah. we weren't exactly able to see her on stage. You just we just weren't like hear in, the, in the thing. Yeah, yeah because yeah, we sense. didn't really need to be in the crowd or anything like that. You know, we're both not exactly like gigantic Erica Badu fans. Um, but apparently what happened was she kind of pulled... Lauren Hill, where she kind of um, kind of brought her ego apparently into the equation, unless it was a technical thing, I don't know, but it just kind of seems like something that she's been known to do in the past. Um, she came on 45 minutes late. Wow. Yeah, and like, yeah, it's a, like a main stage, so there's obviously more things to kind of plug in and make sure everything is right before you kind of kick it off, because the expectations are a lot higher. And especially with a full band and stuff backing you, but I, I I don't know really what caused it other than just that it kind of set everything back a little bit. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we were eating food, so like we we were good. Yeah. Um, and from what we did here, um, it was pretty solid. I didn't hear any of the quote unquote hits. You know, the only one, the only song that I know from her is "Bag Lady." <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Just from mornings of watching that video on VH1's Top right. Twenty Countdown. Yeah. Um. But yeah, overall, like the vibes of that were pretty good. You know, just more R and B kind of neo soul, um, stuff, which was which was pretty solid. You know, I didn't have any complaints with it at all. Um, but after her, we kind of ran over to, um, sector three, which was the unofficial indie rock kind of, um, stage. It's where like the John mouses and stuff mm-hmm. were playing all, uh, all three points. And we saw another band that we literally not been familiar with at all, but we just heard through word of mouth and just people at the festival in previous days, just like being excited to see them. Uh, it was a band called Kruangbin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing so much about them. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely a show that we were very, very glad that we caught. Yeah. The the um crowd was way bigger than we thought it was gonna be because we just had like no idea what to expect. And it was it was pretty much booked as like many people as you could fit into like that area. Like they fit themselves into that area. Um it was very, very awesome mix of like 70s rock, 70s funk, um, a little bit of like the the drummer basically exclusively was playing like James Brown inspired break beats in the background. Yeah. A lot of really down tempo funk kind of sounds, um, heavy on the psychedelia. And it was pretty much, um, it's like, like, a, like a trio. And they're from like Texas, right? Yeah, but Houston, Texas, I think. But they're Thai? Um, well, that was the mistake that I'd originally made as well. I thought they were... Um, either all from Thailand or like a couple of the the band members were from Thailand, but it turns out it's just 
um, an influence um, mm, that they tout I in see. their music, like specifically like the genre of Thai funk, which was not something that I was familiar was a genre, but I certainly am now that after seeing them. Um, but yeah, they're, they're literally from Houston, Texas. Like they're American as white bread. Um, they just happen to traffic in, uh, far Eastern sounds. And honestly, they're all the better for it. You know, they, yeah, cool. <laughs> apparently they wear wigs. I thought it was their real hair, but after uh. doing a little bit more research, apparently they wear like these really like bangs, heavy, like thick, like seventies, like shit yeah, wigs yeah. almost. So like, you can't even really see them in the eyes. Like anytime they look out to the stage, you just see like the bangs hanging over them. And the, um, the drummer would, uh, wear like a poncho. At least I think it's a poncho. Um, it looked a lot like a poncho, but I could be wrong. I know the, um, the definitions of like those kind of, um, body wear things are a little bit specific, but, um, the music was amazing. It was very, very cool in the sense that like there wasn't a dedicated vocalist. Um, it was basically just like a, a bassist, um, Laura Lee and a, um, lead guitarist in, um, what's his name? Uh, Mark Spear. Um, they basically, each song would be them trading solos for every song. So like you get the guitar solo and you would like shred. There was literally a point, um, like they're so virtuosic in what they do that um, the guitarist, he literally played a guitar solo with one hand. Like he literally just like put his other hand in his pocket and he just like played with one hand. And that's I was just like- Nuts. Yeah, that's crazy, you know? And like the the bass player, um, Laura, she was like fantastic too. Like they were just so talented and it, it just seems so effortless. Um, the way that they would just play their instruments, you know, the, you could tell that they were really like masters of what they do. And um, the the best part was the very end. Um, I don't remember the full um, collection of songs, but it was basically they played a medley to kind of like end things off. And like a cover medley. Yeah, like it was all cover medleys. Ah. Um, and the really rad thing was I, I recognized quite a few of the songs. I think they started out with. Um, oh god what was it it was um spandau ballet's true really um, like an instrumental cover of that really oh yeah <laughs> okay i heard the guitar tones immediately and i was like oh snap that's yeah that's pretty rad that's like, dope i have not heard that song in quite a while um they tied that one into it was chris isaac's wicked game okay cool um they tied that one into a couple other ones they were mostly like disco in uh like disco tunes and then they Towards the end of the medley, they uh, did the Sugar Hill Gang's Apache. The do, 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 Okay. Do, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tonto, jump on it. You like that one? So that was pretty fun. Um, that was like a great way to end off the set. And everybody was just like roaring and like cheering for them when they, they ended things off. And that was just like a band that, you know, that's the great thing about music festivals and like Three Points especially where like you just go into it blind almost with certain people. Yeah. And you come out just like your mind is completely blown. So, you know, I, I walked away from that. Definitely that was one of the instances where where I definitely have like a new favorite act. So like I, I cool. went home and like immediately downloaded like their back catalog. Yeah, yeah. So that's um that's gonna be a lot of good uh, active listening for me the next uh, couple awesome. weeks here. But the the crazy thing is that didn't even end off like the the whole um thing, you know, because we still had to see ASAP Rocky. Yeah, yeah. So you you got to see ASAP Rocky then. You yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kelsey Kelsey was like, if there's one thing we do at three points, you have to see ASAP Rocky. We are staying for the entirety of ASAP yeah. Rocky. And yeah. the the nice thing was is originally there was a 15 to 20 minute um set overlap between Kruangbin and ASAP Rocky. Mm -hmm. But because Erica Badu came on late, 
that meant ASAP Rocky came on late. Ah, so there you go. It so worked that in your ended favor. up working out. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So we saw the entirety of his set, which was great. Um, he did us all a favor, kind of returned the favor, and brought out Tyler the Creator for a couple different tracks. He basically played um, Who That Boy mm-hmm. on his end, like where yeah, like yeah. he took over the majority of the verses and kind of had Tyler like guest on his own song, which is kind of funny. That's cool. Um, and he also, towards the beginning, he brought out Blood Orange. Um, because they have a song on the Blood Orange record, Negro Swan. Um, I think it was Chewing Gum. Mm-hmm. That's like an ASAP Rocky feature. So ASAP brought out Blood Orange, and they kind of did that uh, track in full, which is really cool. Because um, my girlfriend likes that song a lot. That was yeah. her favorite song. Off oh, the, that's off a great record. That's a great track. Oh yeah. Um, and the interesting thing was, I didn't know if he was going to do it like the whole time, or like what was going on, or if it was like like a technical difficulty or something. Um, but he came out, and the first three or four tracks, he performed behind this gigantic curtain. And it was basically you were only seeing his silhouette on the curtain. Like it was like, you know, shine, show, um, it was like spotlight on him. And you can only see him like from behind the curtain. And so everybody was like hyped because they thought the curtain was going to drop after the first song or like the drop of the second song. And then it just like didn't come down. And people were kind of like looking around like, is it, is it should that have come down by now? And so they're kind of like whispering to each other. And then after the fourth song, I forget which one it was because um, Kelsey's more of a hip hop head than I am. Um, but like it dropped and like it was just all, all this like confetti started shooting out off off the stage and like into everybody's face. And it was it was such a crazy like high energy show. It was very reminiscent of like the Tyler um, show the night before where it was just he was giving his 125 percent. Yeah, you, know, you, you could tell he was leaving it all out there and he just running across the stage and just telling everybody like, you know, let's get up, let's get crazy. And yeah, yeah. The, um, the the funny part about it was towards about the last 20, 25 minutes of the set, he kind of slowed everything to a halt and he played a bunch of um, footage of people at other festivals, like mostly in like Europe and stuff. And they were all like creating mosh pits. Like all the videos were like people in mosh pits and just like beating the crap out of each other. Uh-huh. And he was like, there was no music playing or anything while this was happening. He's just like, hey, I'm not going to start the next song until y'all open up a mother effing pit. Yeah. And people were just like, we're very tired, Mr. Rocky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like one in the morning. Right. Our it's legs Sunday. Are yeah. yeah it's Sunday. It's the last day of the festival. Yeah. Can we not do this right now? And he was just like, I want to see a pit right now. And they yeah. were just like very reluctant. Like I've never seen any- anybody reluctantly open up a pit before, but like the, <laughs> that's definitely how I would describe the condition of the they audience. They were just like, fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like they literally did it because they knew he wasn't going to play any music unless they did it. And he just like was so hyped about it. Like yeah. I could tell that was like his big thing. Like he was totally hung up on like seeing people make that pit. Yeah. He was like, hey, cameraman, get off the stage, get off the stage. I want you in the pit. I want why don't you film in this pit? This is this about to go off. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anything will happen. And it was pretty much just people running around in circles in the pit. They weren't, there was no physical contact. <laughs> people were not like running into each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the music itself that he was playing while the pits were happening wasn't even really that hype, which yeah, was kind of weird yeah. too. Because like you'd think if he wanted to open up a pit, he would like play like the big, big like trap bangers that he has, but he was playing stuff off the new record and it was a little bit more subdued. So like people kind of weren't really sure what to do either. So it made for a very, very interesting contrast of like the, the vibe on stage and, 
and just like the people like reluctantly That's running really around in circles. Yeah, so that that was very weird. I, but I'm also glad to hear that it sounds like ASAP Rocky's really kind of come to his own or come into his own as a performer because I saw him years ago and this was before like he got really big. Like I think he just had like Purple Swag was like the only track out yeah. in like a small club in Chicago and it was very he was he didn't have a lot of energy and like he didn't it seemed like he had he didn't have a lot of experience performing because at the time he didn't you know but mm -hmm. i love hearing that like now okay he's a big name but he's not like phoning it in you know yeah i mean he he definitely could have just like done the thing where like he would just point the microphone at the crowd and for, let like, them a, like a full verse yeah, or something let them sing it because they would you know yeah yeah um but he he definitely um you know commanded the stage pretty well like i was very impressed with his stage presence um and the whole tour i guess that he was kind of again using three points to kind of kick things off is like the first leg of the tour was um i guess the new album testing that came out late last year mm -hmm. he was kind of like really leaning into the whole like crash test dummy kind of thing like he came out in like a full jumpsuit okay which in miami despite being february and at night was still a very questionable decision yeah that's i yeah. really i really was surprised after about the fifth or sixth song he didn't just like shred that thing but I guess, you know, contractually obligated to probably wear that for the whole set. Yeah, so. yeah. It's probably like a Gucci uh, jumpsuit or something. Oh, yeah. He know? probably lost yeah. like five pounds on stage <laughs> that, that night. Um, no question. But yeah, it was very cool to see him kind of like integrate that. And like there were like a couple like like banged up, like beat up cars sort of on yeah. the stage. And he would like get on the roof of the car and like sing a couple songs and just lots of like, you know, like smoke coming out of the cars to, you know, kind of like uh, do that whole thing. And there was a lot of um, uh, on-screen visuals as well after he dropped the the whole like silhouette act and um, just a lot of like car crash simulations and like crash test dummies like flying out of windows and stuff. So yeah, that, that, that was, that was pretty cool. I liked seeing a lot Super of the, the visuals. Um, we were, um, me and Kelsey were looking at each other like, do we want to go check out DJ Kose after this? Cause he was going to go on until like two in the morning and we were just like, no. That was probably that's, about that's, yeah. to, to use the parlance of our time. That was uh, that was quite a lit way to end three points. <laughs> so we we just kind of you know, left it at that. And, yeah. Um. You know. Next day we packed our bags and went home and that sounds our heads like and another another solid three points under it, under our belts. It sounds like an incredible, incredibly diverse <laughs> festival, diverse and unique festival for for Miami. So it, it really is every year. I mean, that's yeah. like the main reason that like this is my third year in a row going because like it's just one of the festivals, not just like location wise because it's like the closest festival to me yeah. you know that has like the kind of music that i listen to but you know they're always like pushing the envelope and they're always you know trying to push boundaries and find artists that you know just like have such singular sounds that need to be heard especially yeah. in like in, in a live setting you know so like honestly props to three points and props to like the people that that book all these acts you know, I mean, now I can say that I've seen Dean Blunt. I can say I've seen Godspeed You Black Emperor. I can say I've seen Kruang Bin, you know, and some of these acts too, you know, you're seeing kind of like on the ground floor before they blow up. Yeah. You know, like with Kelsey Lou last year, you know, if you'd just seen her this year, you'd been like, oh man, she must be like this established artist. And, you know, if you just come the year before, it was just her like in like the least populated stage, like just playing a harp and that's it and yeah. singing a little bit, you know, so we're just like, oh, that was nice. But, you know, we wouldn't maybe would have thought very much about it and now she's like blown up and she's like put out an ep and she's working with like blood orange and like yeah. the machine and stuff so it's crazy just to like kind of be there in real time to like see these people glow up and just kind of like get bigger and bigger it's just really cool to cool. be a part of that yeah so we're, we're totally out of time we i know we all have cuban sandwiches with our name on them right now <laughs> but uh before we go for your final thought what was the highlight of three points 
Man. Um, Don't think about it too much. Don't think about it. What's the highlight of three points? Okay. Um, 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 just throwing You're thinking out. about it too much, I'm Adam. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. It, it's 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 got to be Herbie Hancock. Wow. Um, yeah, very, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Just just him pulling out that keytar at the end, like nobody knowing that it's coming and just like shredding a solo on there. That's just like, it's just jazz, man. Like yeah. that's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Everybody was just chanting, just like, Herbie, Herbie, just like, just virtuosic, just having those fingers flying on the keyboard, man. It was, it was a, it was a sight to see. Man, well, you can't, uh, can't top a guitar solo. That's, that's really